Hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? A scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack, the perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today. Yes, welcome to uh, Keeping the Ball on the Ground. Uh, sponsors, William Hill, bet £10, get a free £33 free, free bet. There you go, someone like that, you know the script. Uh, yes, we've got big Kevin Kyle, we've got the main man, Mark McNulty. Sparky, how you doing, mate? Good, mate, how you doing? Yes, I'm very good. Kevin, you? Mate, I'm good, I'm good. Good, just doing a bit of DIY. What have you done? The kids that get that many Nerf guns have decided to build them a, a Nerf wall. <laughs> um, and it's very confusing. So um, I've been doing here since eight o'clock. What time is it now? Two o'clock. So I've had I've had six hours at it. What a dad, man! Sparky, you got a wee one. Got a wee one, mate. Ah, he's he'll be free in June. He's Shall hard, work. hard work. <laughs> hard work in this lockdown, mate. Oh, I need to tell you, mate. You're only our favourite second Sparky that is oh. talking the show. Oh yeah, that's right. Greg Wilde's sister. Greg Wilde's sister. Ah, she's the first. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Sparky, you been keeping fit, young man? Ah, been doing bits, mate. You know what it's like? It's 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 hard day not knowing when you're going to go back. It's just like uh, you're trying to keep as fit as you can because you're hoping it's going to be next week by the time you're back here. But, um, oh God, I like my couple of weeks off in the summer, but I've, I've no managed to, not really... Took any time off eh, since this has happened, so I just did wee bits here and there. What are you doing? The five Ks, ten Ks. Aye, mate. The ten Ks are a bit too far for me. Eh? I'm no, I'm no blessed with with great sort of long distance running. Eh? So five Ks probably is more my distance. Eh? That'd be enough. Oh, you don't need to run when you can stick the ball in the net, Kev. Can you there? No runners. I see them all say on that Twitter and Facebook and all the platforms. Runners don't make footballers. I was told. Right. Oh, did Russell put Lappy used to say use carry the piano and I'll play it? I'll play it, aye. There you go. Thumbs <laughs> up. Oh, did you see Scott McTominay's time for 5k in the day, by the way? What was it? 16 minutes flat, mate. I know he's playing a man you and he's a Scottish lad, but he needs to get out of the house a wee bit more, si. <laughs> No, he's Gen- been Genuinely, it. how long would it take you to do a 5k, genuinely? Who, me? Uh-huh. I'm going to do one today, right, after this podcast, because this is my like, hour, hour and a half of zen, so that when I finish the podcast, I'm motivated, I'm psyched up, and I'm going to kick fuck out the treadmill. I reckon, right, 27 minutes. 27? I'm going for 27. I'm going to knock 10 minutes off the last one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, is the stop at Greg's included in that? <laughs> well, my wee mate's got the road who's going to lend me his treadmill. He's, his lovely wife, Joanne's going to uh, drop in a couple of wee cakes and that on the way, so she'll break it up. Break it up. Perfect. Uh, what about you, Sparky? Have you managed to get a kick of the ball now? You know what, mate? Um, I've, I've not even got a ball in the house. I've got the little man's size, three or whatever it is. Uh, all my boots are still at the training centre, so... Um, I'm struggling, mate. Eh? My touch was already bad. It's going to be even worse by the time I go back. Like I thought the main man, Jimmy McNulty, your old man, would have been with the hundred in the park. 
Yeah, he's a loved it, mate, but nah, I fucking, I didn't go around the rafters, like you say, he'll be trying to get me to do stuff. Um, he's probably got more balls in the back gear than I have. Oh, we need to ask, what's, the thing, what's his thing about Steve, free Steve Avery? Uh, everyone asks it, mate. It's, it's, do you know what? There's, not, there's obviously the Making a Murderer. Did you watch it? Yeah, brilliant. Aye, so Steve Avery on that, he, he, he was like one of the last ones to watch it after I told him for ages, get involved. So he was couldn't believe, quite believe what had happened to poor Steve, eh? So he obviously thinks he's not guilty. So he tweeted it one time and everyone thought it was brilliant. So he started doing it every day, like, it's, it's past being funny now. Oh, is he, is he when he goes to Hibs game, does he ever get Martin Boyle and Steve Avery mixed up? <laughs> we we Boyle actually says to him, I like Steve. <laughs> his name's Jim, calling him Steve. Kev, have you seen his down Twitter? I have seen his down Twitter, Si. Uh, obviously having a few friends on that Twitter for Sunderland, he, I always noticed that he... He, he wishes Sunderland well every weekend, whether his boy was playing at the time or whether he's at a different club. So he's obviously copped on to the, the Sunderland fans and the affection that they must have shown him with his time that Mark was there. So, no, I did I notice, but I, now that you've told me, I'm going to need to follow him and uh, see uh, see what his chats are about. <laughs> Get on him. Here, I need to ask you about Boyley, Spanky. Has he went, has he got an, somebody told me he's got an Australian twang now. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, he's, uh, he's some boy. Like he's, uh, oh, he's a great lad, isn't he? He's good to have in the dressing room. Like he's hyper boy, like really hyper. Uh, he's an absolute bastard and accent to it. Mate, die. He's been not up north, isn't he? Where's he face? Dundee or something, is he not? No, Aberdeen. Aberdeen is he Aberdeen? Ah, uh, it's a bit. Montrose sort of weekend. It's bad as yours, man. No, yeah, man, here. I'm, I'm, Stranar's not that bad, but the further north you get, like Dundee, and then anything further north of Dundee, I think you're fucked, to be honest. Both of have played for Sunderland. Uh, Kev, you spoke about it a bit, but Sparky, have you been watching the documentary? You know what, mate? I'm, I've not watched any. I've not even watched the first series. Um, obviously, see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, eh? Um, always talking about it. Um, a great, I, I am going to watch it. It's a great club, and obviously, they had just finished sort of filming when I had joined the, the, the sort of tail end of that season. Um, so a few of the boys were sort of chatting away about it, but they never really knew what was going on. They just said the cameras were sort of always hovering about and they did a few interviews and stuff, but they obviously filmed, God, hundreds of hours and cut it right up. Were the boys, were the boys a bit pissed off with cameras being there now? Were they not bothered? I think it's just one of them. They, they were sort of, you know what, it's like when cameras are about eh? like you can't really say a lot or you're watching what you're doing because you didn't you didn't want to uh, do anything stupid but I believe that uh, one of the lads has got his his bits out with a picture and it's actually on the on the Sunderland thing I don't know if you've noticed it but it's actually it's on the proper thing like they're getting like a team picture with something and he's pulled these kegs down and they've managed to cut it <laughs> yeah but your Sunderland team with the lit cameras in that dressing room See, 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 funny as you say that. See if you um, see if you dwell at the archive. See, ninety seven, ninety eight. I think it was Sunderland did a documentary there with Peter Reid. Um, oh, so they did. I've seen that. You're right, Kevin. They did. So obviously that was just a year before my time of joining the club. But I would have loved that shit if the cameras are falling. You think of the thing the man got up to, the things you would have done. Cocks yeah. I got my cock out in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be wide zoom for years, young man. <laughs> All right, I need to ask you, Sparky, did you play with the wee boy Luco 9? Aye. Does his mum and dad read him the Sunderland programme before he's bed? Uh, he's, 
He's got the. Remember when you were younger and you had your other team you supported? You had the curtains, the bed sheets, <laughs> the lampshade, the books, the pencil case. He's got. He's hundred percent got that. Like, but no, exactly what you said is just exactly how he is. Like, you can just tell which kind of guy he is. And another one they had to pull up. I know. I know he's had a much better career than me, but when Will Grigg kept saying that he thrives on the big stage, he's played for fucking Walsall and MK Dons. What big stage was that? <laughs> you need to ask him that, mate. You need to ask him. He's a good guy to be fair, Biggie. He had a bit of a tough time, but he's a he's a top lad, like he's top professional as well. Oi, what's up with Sunderland, man? It just seems like they constantly get towed in the balls like a massive club, but they're lower than male shit, aren't they? Kev, why is that? I'll let Sparky. I just think it's he, he'll he'll be able to. I'm just moving because. Uh, I can't set the other fucking two hours in my hand like that, no chance. Um, that's better. Right, there we go. I know, I just think that Sai Sparky will tell you, but when you get to a club like that, that size, it's it's a pressure, pressure place to play football, regardless of what league you're in. And I, and I genuinely believe, Sai, that a lot of players kind of deal with that pressure. They kind of deal with the expectations that the fans have of them. So they go there and they get pampered with a nice training ground and all the, the bits that come with being at a big club. And then bang, they're Thrusted in front of 35, 40,000 in a championship or first division, and it's like, oh shit. So they might have a couple of decent games, but then when the pressure builds on, they kind of deal with it. So it, it, you've got to get players in there with the right mindset, mentality, who can sustain it over a full season to get the club up a league to the next league and to the next league. Whereas I genuinely believe that some players buckle under the pressure of a big club. I, I, I think, what's your views on that, Sparky? No, I think you hit the nail on the head there, mate. Spot on. It's like, uh... I'm not saying it's easy playing for, for no big team, but like you say, you're not you're not turning up with 30,000 or 40, 40 50,000 some weeks um, right. on your back, mate. Like you say, it's um, it's getting the characters in that look, you're going to have bad games, yeah, you're going to go through a tough time. At, like Sunderland just there, the gaffer, new gaffer had just come in and uh, they went on a run of like so many games, of, like getting beat, couldn't win a game, and it was toxic, mate. It was, you know what fans are like. Uh, and they were going mental, and like you say, mate, some boys, especially if they've not played at a big club before, that they've never really experienced that. Yeah? Who was that? Phil Parkinson? <laughs> Sorry, kid. Aye, aye, my Phil Parkinson are coming out. He shares the soap with Slaney, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say too much, can I? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? When you're in like a one club city, whatever you want to call that, that analogy, you kind of get away from some of them fans. You kind of get, when, so when you're having a bad time that Sparky says when you lose two, three, four, five games, you kind of actually get away from it because no matter where you live, whether it be Durham, whether it be Newcastle or down yeah. further south and at Middlesbrough or whatever, there's loads of Sunderland fans everywhere. So you kind of actually get away from the pressures. There's no breathing space like here. And um, if I was playing with, say, Kilmarnock and lived in Glasgow, I'm not going to bump into your average Kilmarnock fan around the corner in Glasgow. It just doesn't happen. Whereas... Down there in Sunderland, there's so many fans everywhere that you kind of get away from the pressure of the club. And, and sometimes, I'm, I, I keep saying it, players just buckle under the pressure. I'm telling you, that's what that is because they are all good players. It's just some of them can't deal with the level that's been asked of them. To be fair, Kevin, you could actually live in Kilmarnock and still no bumping at a Kilmarnock fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're saying that Sunderland need characters to get them up, they've fucking got a couple in the boardroom. Donald and Methlin, man. What are they used for? Do you know what, mate? I never... Uh, I, I met Methlin once. Um, he is a character, man, isn't he? Stephen Seagal uh, and a Cumden. 
I've seen him take. I've seen him take a bit of stick on social media, like. But uh, do you alright? I don't. He was. I met him once, mate, and he was just. Ah, uh, he was. He was alright. He just. <laughs> he is what he is, I suppose. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Yeah, Jenk. All board members are like that, Kev. Like, see the way they're acting in the stand and in the boardroom, like slaughtering the manager, slaughtering the players, the formation, saying that the gaps are too big. Like, how the? Do you think that's what goes on in boardrooms? I really hope not. <laughs> I think so. I think that the modern day football, the way football is now with technology and, and social media and all these like analysis that we do, I think that's the reason why board members now think they're managers, they now think they're tacticians, they now think they've been on the way for pro license for the last five years. They've been nowhere. They've just been good financially and they've got their, their investments right. But for me, Sai, could you have seen the old school board managers? Alexa, um, I don't even know. I think back to the, the first board manager I had at Sunderland was a guy called Bob. Uh, Bob knows what his surname was, but Bob. Hey, Bob, Bob Monkhouse. I think it was a. Uh, uh, I know Bob Monkhouse. Uh, Bob will fix it. How is Bob? How's he sells? <laughs> so I, he he knew nothing about the football. So he would just um, let the manager get on with the, the, the job of done, doing the tactics and things and just question maybe after the game, what do you think went wrong today? But for a manager, for a chairman or a, or, a, or a director to sit in the stand at Wembley and say the gaps are too big and things like that, Jesus Christ, man. Man needs shooting. Were you at home? <laughs> were you at Hatsby Romanov, Ken? I was, I Remember, you remember the stories on the restaurant? He was another one. You remember who was it told the basketball story? Uh, Jim Jeffries. Uh, 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 Romanov was another one. He was a bit like Methan where he thinks in his head that he knows all the tactics and all the formations and how we should play and what we should be doing, but in all realistic um, problems and things, he hasn't got a clue. Um, Did you meet him, Kev? Did you actually meet him? Speak to him. I, I always um, met, told that story where we won 10 games on the bounce and dressed him and he came in with a big long jacket and uh, the interpreter and uh, we were all like questioning, like, Chairman, why have we won 10 games in the bounce? We've not received a bonus yet, a win bonus. And he says, because last night he's played against Celtic, he's got beat 3 1 and you're shit and you expect a fucking win bonus. And we're like, I've Celtic on top of the league, we've just won 10 games, mm-hmm. 30 points, and we've lost to Celtic in the 11th game, and you kind of give us a win bonus. So he was quite a wee intimidating character for the size of him. Like, he was only about 4 foot 9, and uh, he was quite intimidating. He slaughter boys in that kid. Well, he would slaughter, I would presume he was slaughtering boys in that Russian accent or Lithuanian um, dialect that they were doing, but. Obviously, nobody ever. I remember actually saying, wait a minute, big uh, Marius Zalukas, the captain. Yeah. When Rukhoff was doing a talk to us, we all thought, and then the interpreter would say, so the chairman says to keep things going and money will be sorted out and everyone will go well and just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing very well. So once the meeting finished, we said to Marius, did he really say that? And Marius says, no, we're just a bunch of fucking wasters and we're shite. <laughs> Did he join in with you as well, Kev? Nah, did he join no, in with you? The time that I was there, he didn't join in, but I've obviously seen in the past that he's joined in with, um, I think the first era when Rudy Scatcher was there, I think he joined in training and stuff. I was surprised he got a fucking strip to fit him. They could have borrowed my wee Danny's at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I, need a, I was harsh on Jack Ross. Before I seen that programme, I on here, I've kind of said that he never done a good job at Sunderland, but I need to take it back. Because I think if they kept the boy Madger, they went up, uh, wouldn't they? So I, 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 and when uh, you see what he's dealing with, mate, he's, is he a good manager, Sparky? Ah, uh, he's really good, mate. You'd like him. He's, he's just, uh, he just lets the boys play well. Freedom, eh? He's not, uh, 
it's just the way he is. He's, he's you know one of them that'll come in and say, oh, I want you playing out for the back. Didn't ever go long, like, and he's no one of them that'll say, look, let's go direct. He's just he does give the boys a lot of a lot of freedom. Like he does want to play, but he would never be like forcing it on boys to take it for the back in and in stupid areas and play it. Um, he, he gives boys a bit of freedom in that. He's, he's training that's good, and he's and he's sound as well. He's, he's staff and that are all good as well. So he's it's good, like good place to go. I love that. See that you didn't need to kick it long. You didn't need to play it. That's if it's on to play it, play it. If it isn't, then kick it. That's what I like about him. It was it was the same as at Sunderland. The same uh, style in that. Like always want to, like in training and that you be passing, passing, passing. Like but it's like. When you come to a game, it's like, you don't know what to take risks. Can you take risks? Like, you do what you feel is right. Like, go and, go and, go and like, express yourself. So, that was good. Nah, just, <laughs> you, you, you were quite harsh on him, Kev, weren't we? Nah, we were, I suppose. But like you said, uh, si, sometimes you get conflicting reports from different people and stuff. Um, I've never had a personal problem with Jack Ross in the time that he was with the PFA. Any time he phoned up for any help, Jack was more accommodating to try and help me along the way. So, I've got nothing against him. I probably more against the fact that Sunderland's kind of like my team now so I want them to do well and I think that uh, I thought they should have got them promoted and they didn't then maybe I was a wee bit harsh on them but like you say Si a manager that can come in and give players the freedom for them to make the right decisions because ultimately he's just a manager there trying to guide them give them ideas but it's the, the 11 players on the park that have to decide when to kick it long kick it short and mm. I think too many managers in this modern day they stick to one way of playing and when that one way of playing doesn't work uh, they become sucker punched by other things so no Jack, Jack comes across like a good guy and I think obviously the time he's shown at Hibs that he's been back up that he's turned Hibs around and got them climbing up the table so we've got to give him a wee bit more respect than what, what, what we give him initially Big James McPake says to me that the one guy who's been the best helped him since he's became a manager is Jack Ross Aye Any time he's had a bad result or bad report in the paper or something Jack Ross has been on the phone straight away Brilliant, I love shit like that. Ah, it's good, mate. It seems that type. Like, you'll help anyone like, if you need help in that, it's Right, who do you think regrets using a camera while in action more? Sunderland or Slaney in Amsterdam? Both of them made an arse didn't they? I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's not here. We'll phone him. Ah, I see what he's up to. We'll get him on speaker. He's having a hard time at the wee man, isn't he? God. Let's see if we can get him. That's him, he's dingy, this. We were stuck in the house with, um, with Paul the Tim all week. Mate, somebody's <laughs> told me there's been reports that him and Paul the Tim are <laughs> playing football in the back garden with purple strips on, calling themselves Quarantina. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous, I just came up with that. Sparky and Nigel Cough talked to us. We had Johnny Russell on, a few others. Is he a madman? Mate, mental. Like, he was brilliant for, well, he was brilliant for me, like, because looking back now, like, obviously, that was the most I'd played at Sheffield United. Just the year he signed me. Yeah. But he was. He was, was harsh, like, he was hard on you, like, especially me. He was always on me eh? and I thought at the time this guy hates me eh? but looking back it was like over the years like when I've signed for other teams and that they've always said oh Cluffy loves you and that like he speaks well about you uh, see when he was hammering you like, how, how harsh could he be oh mate like he would tell you a shit and that like he would and I'd be like 
I just come down for Livingston if Sheffield United, big club and all that, like I'm a bit nervous shitting ourselves there. Like, uh, what game was it? He hammered me in the press after. I think it was the, maybe the first game I'd scored. We were in a cup. I scored late on, got through, um, and he was like in the changing after. He was like, "You were fucking shit. That was the worst performance I've ever seen for a goal scorer." And I was just like, I was like, buzzing, getting in the changing after, waiting for me crazy, being like, "Well done in that." <laughs> and he just slaughtered me mate. and I was like oh. and he went and he said it in the press as well after the game he was like Mark Ronaldo how bad was he like <laughs> but it was like it was weird mate because I never really played uh, I never really played a lot uh, in the league never really started in the league but we went on loads of cup runs and I'd always start the cups eh? like it was weird Johnny Russell told us that he called Michael Jacobs a League 2 wanker <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, he bombed a few boys off. Like, he was, if uh, nobody was allowed to go and see him, like, you couldn't, you know, if you go and chap on someone's door and that. You, what, you just tell you to fuck off? Oh, you wouldn't get, uh, you, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't get a sit down with him, like, no chance. I can admit, I didn't want to name names, but uh, one boy, um, he had only just signed. And, and I think the first, he had a bit of a tough time pre-season, but he was an older boy, experiencing that, uh, so, first game of the season, a young boy, I'd never played before, just signed him. I put him in and steady him. So, the boy went and seen Coffee and asked him, like, just sign me, like, what's the script? Like, the young boy just never played, he's just in. And he's like, oh, you can find yourself on another team. No, <laughs> he'd, only just, he'd only just signed him, eh? Uh, like, things that he was ruthless, mate, but he was, he was, like, really good. Like, see if you had won a game, he'd be like, see, first day, like, the days off he would be, and that would be brilliant. Uh, is he quite old school, huh? Oh, aye, really old school. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really experienced anything like him before, eh? Like, even the pre-season was, you've probably heard the stories on pre-season, the stuff he would do, like, you just go to a, you just go to a local park, uh, it might have been Rotherham or Chef, there was somewhere in between, and uh, he'd have, like, his sort of two assistants there with him, and he'd just, he'd pick a tree, and he'd, like, just be like, right, boys, Sprint to that tree and then run around the tree. That see that tree over there that's next to that. Run around that and come back. And he'd be like brilliant, but like just weird stuff, mate. Random, but uh, he was good, like. But he was a bit mental. Yeah, but you do you play against either class teams? So I, I never. I, I was thinking there when Sparky was describing it. He just sounds like his dad. Ah, uh, thank you. Just a little from his dad. Just a ruthless fucking madman. Aye, I think so. Aye. Did you not play cricket quite a bit as well? <laughs> Mate, honestly, random things like you used to see before training that if it was a sunny day, it's like you can watch like the boys are sort of dribs and drabs out like a couple of minutes before, like bang on time. Like him and uh, him and the staff would be out with like their tops off. Like <laughs> playing cricket or baseball with their tops off, uh, I just are chucking the ball each other. Uh, they love the. He was in the middle with the number nine, Nigel Clough on the pitch. He had number nine. And he'd have the goalie coaching goals and the assistants clipping balls into him for volleys at the edge of the box. Oh, I love that shit, man. Well, he's meant to be some player. Jimmy, my manager, Jim McAnally, played him and said he was fucking brilliant. His technique was a joke, mate. See if he ever done finishing things. I like volleys or that. Like, he was very good. Kev, I meant to say as well, the camera and action, I thought you were great in the show you'd done as well. Man v Food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, man, this is fucking hard work, this lockdown. All, all you do is eat. 
Ah, é, já não. É, that's true. Do you like a drink? Huh? Do you like a drink? I do like a drink in the garden. It's been that warm. I've been sitting at night time with a wee couple of cans of cider. I like a wee cider, si. Well, what, a wee flavoured cider? Ah, like a wee dark fruits. Uh, I'm waiting on... Uh, I've just seen the Strongbow's released a, a, a rosy flavour mm-hmm. version. Oh, look at him, he, he, he fucking knows, look, how do you know? All well, my mates were speaking about it the other day, and I got my missus to go to the shop to, to uh, get the Strombo Rosies, but she had come back with a Copperbird bottle Rosie. Oh, it's lovely, mate, honestly. Is it I? Oh, beautiful, yeah. I can't right, explain I'm, with this nose, man. I'm going for 24 cans after the run. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kev, who was the harshest manager on you, Peter Reid? Eh, uh, no, Peter Reid was all right, like, because I never really, I never really, like, ever had a, a bollocking off him. Uh, Jim Jeffries, for who, me. Who, who did he give the worst ball to get bollocking Because on that programme you mentioned, mate, he was going off his nut. Oh, I know, he just, sorry, it's honestly, it's like you're talking like 20 odd years ago, it's a long, long time, and I remember George McCartney, he lived in Belfast and he drove a car, so he was picking me up in Chanel and we were going to drive back for first day of pre-season. So we're a fucking day late. We've got the dates mixed up. We're a day late. So we've turned up and everybody's looking at us at the training ground. And Peter Reid said, right, used to our speeches in the office afterwards. And I was like, my fucking whole asshole fell out the flare a lot, mate. Honestly, I've never felt so scared. It was if somebody said, right, they're going to fire me and you were going to kill you today. <laughs> so we knocked on the door. Hello? And I was like, eh, Gaffer, it's Kevin and George. Come in. We just sat down, right? And like for about maybe three or four minutes, he didn't even say a word. We were just sitting there and I'm like, oh, just fucking please say something, Gaff. I'll just get this over the way. Like, you know when you just like, make you feel nervous? He says, like, hey, you two fucking... I don't know what the fucking you're fucking up to. And every second word was... You know, fucking hell, Gaff. He says, how the fuck is fucking late? Every else was fucking here yesterday. And they were like, oh, Gaff, we honestly thought it was the moron that. And he says, well... Let me fucking tell you two now. If you haven't got the best times in fucking places, and he's a fucking out of here. He's a fucking out of here. But it's basically what he gets out of the club side, right? I'm not acting. And George was fit as fuck, so it wasn't a problem. I'm thinking, fuck it. It worked out all right. It was just a rock up your fucking arse. But I tell you what, I was never late for anything with Sunderland under his managerial role ever again. Because he was fucking, he was the devil, man, when it came to shouting at people. I was so scared. Uh, did you see that uh, Ian Wright story about Roy Keane being late for our lunch? Ah, well, I heard that, mate. Class A, I like that. That's amazing, man. Have you have you have you signed up to the the Roy Keane fan page thing? Oh, on Twitter. Aye. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm following it. No, I've not signed up to it. I've not signed up to it. Like follow. I'm a wee bit old school here, side. I remember. I'm not really getting the Twitter thing, but <laughs> I've got. I'm on it, mate. It's brilliant, isn't it? Some of the put downs, man. We went. Uh, I was in the squad. We we were playing Celtic beat Dunfermline eight one, and uh, Keane was playing. And we went down for supper at like nine o'clock at night. So he sat and telling like Man United stories. He was he was like a good laugh in that. Like him and Tommy Burns got on quite well, and they were sitting telling stories. And then we got up to leave to go back up to the room, and a woman comes over and she says to him, "This is like half nine at night." Say, "Hi, Roy. My, my son's been waiting up all night to get his autograph. You can." Um, can you sign that? And he's like, ah, absolutely not. That boy, what, what the fuck is he still doing up at this time? You should be. <laughs> no way. Swear me, I was like. And Hanky, Hanky did eventually like have a laugh and then sign it and got a picture. But see, when he first said that to me, even my heart was fucking pounding. <laughs> 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 
Uh, that's another massive club that you played for, Tommy. Sheffield United. How good's the atmosphere there? Aye, uh, top mate. They're, um, the fans are mental, like yeah, they're proper, proper passionate fans. Um, and like Kev says, they're about, about Sunderland. It's it's a hard place to play when things are not going so well. Eh? Um, the, the high expectations and that, and a big club, big big uh, attendances and stuff like that. So when it's not going well, it can be. It can be tough, like, but on the flip side, when it's going well and there's 30,000 there, like, they're, they're really, really good. How good's that song, man? We're saying Ollie McBurney, that. Uh, the Greasy Chip Butty one. Oh, mate. Uh, it's good, mate. It's brilliant when you play and they're, they're singing that. They proper, proper get a good go before a game, like, it's good. Were you there with Big Kev McDonald? No, he was uh, the season before me. Oh, was he, right? Who was good? Who was the good lads at Sheffield United? Uh, Jamie Murphy was there Ryan Flynn Stephen McGinn there's a Scottish oh, boy big Neil Collins Collins you know oh big you know? Neil Collins oh, as well excuse me don't even get me started on him <laughs> oh big Collins uh, no I don't, don't mind big Neil I obviously played with big Neil at Sunderland uh, yeah, I swear to God man that he used to abuse me and I used to abuse him one day we were fucking running right and he gave the ball away and I shout fucking hell Neil just fucking give the pass it right. Shut up, you! Stop fucking running like a tuna caravan. It was like pure <laughs> fuck. Every day, man, without fail, we would fight like fuck. But I got to respect the big man. He's a good fucking career. And he kept at it. You know what I mean? So, ah, you love the moan, the big man. Eh? He's doing uh, the the manager, manager, isn't he? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Rowdies. Could be. Could be gig. Mate, how's his ginger skin in that sun tone, man? He was funny, mate. He used to, for pre-match, he used to eat about eight slices of, of bread with well, toast with a bit of butter. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, what's, what's, what's that on your plate? I swear, mate. It was piled up to about there, just butter on slices of bread. Yeah, he's also played under your mate, Big Yogi. Big Yogi Hughes? Brilliant. Hey. He's I, I, he was amazing, mate. I loved him. and uh, Probably still to this day, would probably be up there with the best training sessions I've had with all the managers I've had I've played under some decent ones like but his training sessions were brilliant mate yeah, he just loved passing eh? see him um, and like just like everyone being sharp just pro- like passing it properly eh? he was big on that everyone passing it he, he killed all his team big Yogi Hughes there. do you think that he's had a hard time out of football because he's maybe no I thought he's done well whatever he's won he's done uh, he's like, everybody speaks highly of him but do you uh, think he's a He's in that cauldron of field managers that never get a chance back in. Do you know what I mean? And it's no, and it's no fail because he's such a passionate and he puts everything into everything he does. Like I, I think it's a shame that somebody like him can't get another gig in football. I know. Killed him, did it? Aye. So, so I was going to say, mate. I like honestly, mate. Really, really good manager. He's the sort of all the teams he's been at. He's been successful, except for except for Rafe, where what I think, like what Kev says. He was giving his all. Look, I'm I'm speaking of sort of what what I've read and, and stuff like that. I might not be right here, but maybe some players won again at his all in. He was expecting a wee bit more for them, and he maybe felt a wee bit let down. And he's and he's come out and, and pretty much he has. He slaughtered the boys. Yeah, he's like openly maybe sort of one of them that he, he wears his heart on his sleeve kind of thing. Eh? Um, you did a man shit, Spanky. Ah, like come a fight with a few boys at ten the boot in old school. Like get the light off and like. But he was a big guy, like Handy. He's a big strong guy, so... But he was mental. He was mental, some of the stuff he used to do, man. 
Oh, did he ever do that? Has he ever showed you the team talking? Because where he's doing that, you go there, and then you go there, and then you come down here, and then you just go around like that, and it, it ends up being a big, massive cock. <laughs> no, no. He used to do different things on the board that were funny, but he used to try writing that by some big youngster. He couldn't, uh, he could hardly spell it, eh? and he was writing all these words on the hang and it was all spelt wrong in that, but he was laughing at <laughs> He was caught. Cool. When you get him back, see in June, you're going to kick the ball above head tight, kid. You'd be fucked. I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that, man. I've got a touch to fucking die for. Some people would love my touch. <laughs> right. Was he, did, did he do that with you as well, Sparky? Because at Inverness, the boys weren't in training. If it went above head tight, it was a foul. No, he did, mate. He done, um, that, that was a lot. No above head tight. Eh? His teams, we used to pass teams to death, eh? like, and sometimes that would be a downfall because Ken, like, one of them, you'd keep possession all game. No score. But the other team would go and nick a goal. But he, at the same time, Yogi had us. John Collins was there as well. He was like direct to the football or whatever, whatever the t- title was. I so he was obviously into passing in that pure, like over the top, John. Uh, so it was a good balance. They were good mates. They were like really good mates. Eh? But they were they were good together. To be fair, I like them. Would Yogi with John Collins up or that? Would you find them a bit? That. Uh, Big Yogi never changed, but I say, but John Collins used to train, eh? And uh, I always remember all the young boys. If Jason Collins is brother, do you know? Right. He's mental. He always used to say, like, oh, okay, I'm going to get him today, man. And he used to put it into him, like, you know, he used to get, like, stuck right into him and leave one on him and that. <laughs> he used to be brilliant. Well, Collins' brother used to try and put John Collins. Aye, you don't want to be like a young boy at the time, mate. He used to, like, go over the, like, smash him properly. I can remember one time he actually properly injured John. John had to stop. Who? He injured, he injured the manager? Aye, uh, Dino. Aye, Collins uh, injured John uh, Collins. <laughs> Have you got a common story for us now? Any Jason common stories you can tell us? Ah, uh, Jason. Oh, God, where did I start, mate? His brother was just as mad, by the way. Got a funny story about his brother. Hey, go well, for it. When we were young boys, like, uh, this doesn't happen nowadays, but... Obviously, back then, it was different. We, uh, we had like this Italian boy. He was older. We were only, what, 17, 18 at the time. Uh, and the first team were trying to bomb this Italian boy. Uh, Gio or something his name was. And uh, we were just getting, I think we were just getting showered in that. And he, never, he, he walked out the toilets with like, uh, like just a, a bottle of water. It was like half, half empty. But like... He had done a shite in the toilet and like stabbed a bottle of water in the top, like in the shite. So you can imagine, like it was just sitting perfectly in the, the top of the bottle. <laughs> we're like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, put it down at the Italian guy's place. Put the lid back on. Honestly, mate, about two minutes later, the Italian boys walked no. in the door. Like that, unscrewed the bottle. Like that. <laughs> Big bloody <of> shite. <laughs> 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 The worst football stories I've ever heard, and I've been in the game for 20 odd years. That's shocking. That's amazing, man. They, they couldn't find him because he was only on the 60 kilometers. He's got moving on at the time, so he had to, uh, he had to work with the groundsman for a week or two and get HL5 doing the groundsman's job. <laughs> so the Italian grass did the Italian boy grass on him? Oh, uh, yeah, grass on him. He's human, like, to be fair, like you would, yeah. Is he worse than Cummins, then, isn't it? Uh, he's, 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 up, he's not as daft but he's, he's mental like he's, he's very similar like you can tell that they're the same same family what about coming down in there now that you can tell 
No, no really, yeah. It's just daft things on night suit. You came up, you've probably heard them all before. He's just, he's just wild. He's, he's hard. I mean, I, I, I like a wee night out and that, and, but he's, he's a different breed. Aye, some boy. Here, see, just on Yogi, my good pals Kevin McBride, who was Yogi's assistant at Ray. Aye. At Dundee together. And uh, that was the story I told Kev. Remember when I'd been boxing on two, for two hours on the Friday night? And I came on against Yogi's team on the Saturday and I had a, after 17 minutes, mate, I thought there's no way I'm getting on. I've been bombed completely. Box for two hours Friday night. Come on, have a shocker. Marley Watkins, mate, is bashing as a boot and I can hear Barrett and Yogi laughing, right? But see, before the game starts, I'm a sub. I come, I come out about 10 minutes after the game started. Shinny's in my hand, just walking at the bend. And Yogi's, I'm walking like five yards ahead of Yogi and the game's going on and Yogi's looking at his bench. Look at this wee dick, can I get a game for Dundee while the games are on, right? So I'm pushing myself laughing, walking past him, mate, and he fucking grabs his headlock while the game's going on, and he's, he's pure batting his man. Yeah, <laughs> he's not happy to throw the last. What a guy, we need to get him back in, fit boy. Uh, and also, you, Chris Wilder as well, mate. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, he was brilliant, Sai. Um... Got the balance of like uh, training and just the whole social aspect for the boys, kind of like the team spirit in that. He was massive, massive on the, the type of players that he sort of recruited as in characters. Always remember he say that, like, um, has to be the right characters. Um, boys that were just like, oh, a bit mental to be fair, eh? No, like, really any quiet boys. All boys that have got a bit about them, um, just really hard workers in that, mate. He's, um, it was brilliant. It was. It was really good. That season we got promoted. I never really played, um, but it, it was good to be a part of it. Like some celebrations and that it was it was a good experience. But he was brilliant. It was really good. Yeah, some job he's done, Kevin. That way, older. Oh, mate, he's, uh, he's he comes across one of the managers side that you would want to work under. Aye. Like what little Sparky saying there, like he's not just he signed obviously good footballers. But he's signed good footballers with good characters. And see, when you've got good characters in the dressing room, so you probably, and Sparky, you'll agree with us, the best teams you played with was when you had a changing room full of characters. See, when you had a changing room full of serious, serious people, it doesn't quite work the same. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, right, mate, we're going to talk about playoff victory at Wembley. Brilliant. Did you see when you signed for Kev, uh, Coventry, did you see Kev's statue? Aye, uh, right in the front, he was, eh? <laughs> another massive club they're another like you say massive club they were brilliant um, probably the best the best spell I've had football wise I played every game through the course of the season and, and scored a few goals as well and obviously got promoted uh, so it was probably one of the most enjoyable times like um, good club good fan base as well so everything was brilliant Okay, why do you think it didn't work out for you? <laughs> Where do we start? We've only got a two-hour show. <laughs> uh, could you, did you know straight away, Ken? How, how, how quick did you know it wasn't going to work? You know what, Si? See, when I went down there, I, I, I signed in the, I don't know, maybe like the Thursday, Friday, and I played Holloway um, first game. We won 1-0, played well, and then the week after, we played Leeds at home, and I scored on a home debut, won 1-0 that day as well. So I'm thinking, fucking hell, I got off to a flyer, but... I got a bad injury somewhere along that season and then um, I, I don't actually know what fucking happened. I think during that time I had I was having quite a difficult time off the park. 
Um, I remember uh, going home to Shinawa one night for a night out and some things happened on the night out and I ended up spending the night in, the, <laughs> uh, in, in uh, a hotel. <laughs> hotel. Um, so when I went back to COVID, right, that didn't obviously go down too well. And then what happened was, sorry, I just had enough. I just wanted to leave and, and then Mick McCarthy threw me a lifeline by asking me to go and run to Wolves. And I think while I was at the Wolves, I basically the, the, I did a, an interview and they said, why, why is it no working at Covery? And I just said that the fans were shit. So I still stick by that uh, statement. Although Mark McNulty's got a different view. And my time at Covery just didn't work out for me. As much as I tried my best and I wanted it to work, the fans me just didn't connect and... Uh. Signed for just under a million quid, and they were, I was expected to score the goals to try and get them back up the um, up, like, up the championship, pushing for promotion. And because I wasn't doing my job, then I was deemed to failure. So that's just how it works. And 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 thankfully, I left in two thousand and nine, and will never ever visit Coventry ever 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 again. That's it for a goal scorer, isn't it? Like it doesn't for a striker, it doesn't matter how well you play. But no scoring goals, the fans are on you, isn't it? I think I scored five goals in 48 appearances. It's not going to fucking help them out. Do you know what I mean? Um, but no, the fans, the fans, the fans gave me in all my time in football, and I had some stick playing for Scotland against the Faroe Islands. But the stick that the Coventry fans gave me was up there. Unless a man would have fucking give up. But no, uh, it was tough. It was tough. tough right, I knew. See, when I went to Dundee, mate, the first day I signed, right, walked in the dressing room. Ferry 11 on the fucking back of my shirt. Now, straight away, I thought, this is not working here, man. <laughs> I, Paul, Paul Harley's said to me, I'm going to play you further forward. I want you to get goals. And I, I'm thinking, I scored about fucking five goals in my career, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. The funniest teammates, he's had go on, Sparky. Funniest teammates. Oh, sorry. That's it. Um, four. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Jimmy Scott, Martin Scott. Oh, mate, Jimmy Scott's a hero, isn't he? He's a legend, you know, mate. Like, there's not really that many in England that are, like, mental, mental. But Jimmy Scott was, he was, he just didn't kill me. Like, he was, I remember John McGlynn was a manager and, like, he'd be taking, like, a team talk and... And Jimmy would just stand up and he'd be like, John had this voice, eh? like, ah. and he'd copy the voice, like, start taking the team talk as well, randomly. He would just say mental things, like, like taking a shite on the physical bed and things like that. Does like, <laughs> he not cut his in here, Jimmy Scott? <clears throat> oh, I gave myself a ball there, I think. Uh, Jimmy Scott, do you know Jimmy Scott, Ken? Is that the boy that was doing well with one of the Highland teams and they went to Hibs? Yeah, aye, what's the county, aye. He was, he was crazy, mate, but good player, like, strong boy. I don't know why he never kicked him. He was like a half centre midfielder, wasn't he? Nah, he was a midfielder. Oh, he's a... Uh, did you play in the McGlynn? Aye, he was my Olivia manager as well. 
Mate, McGlynn's funny, man. I, w- I watch his post-match interview every week with Footfell, eh? He cracks me up. I was, I was only speaking to him the other day that I said congratulations about I've always kept in touch with him, eh? Uh, good guy, like, he was a really good guy. And he loved um, kind of like a, after a game, like if a weekend game, see the Monday, the boys just the dread gone in because do you know how some managers look up, like over the clips? <laughs> he, he would never deny have a 90 minute game with his wee laser pen and go back on clips. The boys were just like sleeping during that, not even paying attention. They were just like, come on. But he would, he, he would love this sort of video analysis after the game. Like, do you have a, I mean, did, I used to hate that. Did you, Kev? I, I wasn't, uh, I, I'm, I'm not the best at um, focusing at the best of time, side. But see, on in Sunday, in, like, you'll know Sparky beside the, I don't know if it's still there, beside the, the canteen at the training ground. Was that still the analysis room? Aye, aye, aye big one, mate. Aye. With the big comfy chairs and that, so you're sat in there. All you wanted was a wee fucking school chair so you could keep yourself like to, to fidget. But you got the big comfy chairs, you're trying to fucking stay awake. <laughs> 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 they're going through things that you, you know you've done wrong, you don't need to be fucking told six and seven times. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Why did you not put on the, 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 the left back because he's the smallest of the back four? And I'm like, look after. It was just, the, the ball was on the other side, and I, but even though it was on the other side, you should, should oh, gaffer, just get a fucking rest. Uh, too much. Mate, see, we, the canyon used to do it, but we used to do it in like a, like it was a classroom. So it was like an old school carpet, mate. It was almost like <laughs> a hockey astroturf surface, do you know what I mean? Like pure hard. Uh, so, mate, he would just start like quite calm, and then, like, see if a defender wasn't tackling properly, mate, he would start doing like slight tackles on the <laughs> carpet. Yeah. Oh, must have been fucking burning, mate. And he used to keep it the wall, like head to the centre forwards. You head it like this. No, no, no. You need to head it like this. Fuck you, man. Like you would smash his head off a wall, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so that time, mate, he broke three TVs. Then uh, post-match analysis, mate, he would just go, fuck you, man. And the telly would just come clean off the wall. Screw it, man. I used to, it was enjoyable. See if somebody else was getting battered, mate. I used to love it. I man. enjoy it. Uh... It's horrible you don't tap, each other, don't tap each other when somebody was getting slaughtered, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, what, oh, I need to ask you about Pompey, mate. What a club. Aye. Another one, mate. Another club that I've done well at. So it's easy to say, like, how, how good a time I had. Like, uh, they, they were brilliant, mate. I loved the fans in that. Like, loved, like you say, I loved living down there. It was a great place to live. Uh, I thought the fans were brilliant. They were one loser draw. They were always singing. I thought they were really, really encouraging fans. Like, Mate, they're the best. We, we were shite. And every Sunday we'd go to this <laughs> boozer, mate, and the fans would just buy us drink all day. Brilliant fans, like that. They're good, good. Like, brilliant place to live as well. Like, South Sea and that it was amazing. Like, I love Everyone's it. so positive, though, Kev. I always like seeing Scotland, like, see when I went to Dundee, mate, like, see if you got beat on the Saturday, you'd be in the office and that. Like, office staff would be like, oh, you're a shite. Like, I always <laughs> I think up here it's so negative, but see, doing South at Portsmouth, mate, the staff pure loved you, man. Like, nobody gave Aye. a fuck, mate. I was injured the full year, right? And this kind of sums it up. I remember this. I, I seen it on my phone last night. So I was injured, and this is how laid back it was at Portsmouth, man. Uh, one of the boys asked me, mate, you should dress up as a steward for the game and see if you could like be a steward for the game. <laughs> so, see, like, I, the boys were in getting changed, right? And I've got two stewards. <laughs> dress me up, mate, and see when the boys were lining up to go out for a game. I, I was standing in the tunnel as a steward. None of them had <laughs> Everyone, Nibdi would have like we were getting beat every week. Nibdi would even pull me up for that. Eh? 
Ah, mate, they were, they were, that was a quality club, like, good people do it as well, it was brilliant. Mate, we used to, I used to prank it, the chief exec, mate. I used to go and get all the boys in the physio room, right? One of the boys went out with the chief exec's daughter, Jed Wallace, who plays in Millwall now. So, like, the chief exec's a top man, great guy. Yeah, great guy. guy, black hair, tanned, pure, he loves himself a bit, but he's uh, on, right? Got I got a bit. So, one day I got all the boys in the physio room, mate, and pranked them. And I said it was important for the local paper. So I was asking about Portsmouth and all that, and he was banging at me, like saying all sorts of stuff. And then at the end, I went, I'd also like to congratulate you on winning the Portsmouth 2015 Dale Winton Lookalike competition. What was he He was pushing himself. See, when he oh, was, you love he it. Loved it, mate. Ah, that's loved he's, loved good, he's, he's a good guy. Right? Can you it? I did, Sorry, I played the... Uh, you know what, I actually fucking think I kept Pompey up in the league one day. Suddenly I'm playing Portsmouth away and I think I came on as a sub, right? And you, 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 you've all ever done it yourself. The, the, the caller came to the box and I was defending it, right? And if Pompey, Pompey beat us, I think they stayed up. We were already getting relegated. I fucking caught the ball in the middle of the <laughs> corner. I caught the ball and gave him a penalty. And that was Steve Bristol manager. Steve Bristol manager of Portsmouth. No, no, Steve. Steve Cottrell, yeah. maybe. Oh, I don't know. Whoever it was, come up and fucking thank me afterwards. You know why you're was... looking at Steve Bruce? Because you're looking at me, out. I just... You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't <laughs> tell you with my Steve Bruce. What, what, <laughs> no, so that's... It's, it's, it was a good day, a good place. I, I always remember when you played Portsmouth, the fucking weather was insane. Oh. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> you could go for a coffee after tuning. See, after tuning, like... All your boys would go for a coffee. Uh, if have one coffee and somebody would give a shout, who want a pint. Man, I was here about four days a week in Portsmouth, eh? Honestly, uh, like, Thursday nights were tremendous, man. Student night, Thursday night. And you see other clubs, mate, like, you're on a Thursday night, fans would be coming up to you and saying, like, what the fuck are you doing? You've got a game on Saturday. The fans would be, like, buying you, buying you drink. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, it's a quality place, like, really good, mate. Like you say, the weather was genuinely all year round. It's good, but I know it's good. Uh, obviously bad weather sometimes but it was much better than there than it is up here like. I loved it man uh, right mate we're going to Hibs is that your uh, team? is that your team? no I'm a Celtic man eh oh you're right of course I've seen that on Twitter actually uh, uh, but no look, Hibs are my local team like, yeah, I like Hibs I was there when I was youngster and that eh? so um, well you came through at Hibs did you? I know I was at uh, Hibs when I was 13 till I was 16 and then got released got released at 16 just before uh, you get your, your first contract, eh? Um, Who released you? Give him a shout. <laughs> Aye, cheers for that, mate. Uh, nah, it's all changed now. There's different people in that now, so obviously it was gutting back then, eh? But it just shows you in football, it changes. Uh, ugh, mate, everyone gets released at 16, didn't they? Uh, no. Everyone, mate. No, I didn't ever. I get released every no. other fucking time after that. <laughs> were, you, were you buzzing when I had to come in for you, though? Because you're obviously an Edinburgh boy. Ah, it was, do you know what, mate? It was fucking. Um, it was just a bit of a nightmare for me. Like it, it was brilliant that Hibs come in for me. I was buzzing like when the option came up to go back home. But I had just signed for Reading uh, that summer, like um, Championship, wasn't to get going. Uh, I think I just scored my first goal against Stoke or something. Maybe like a week or so after the manager got the sack, uh, and then the new manager had come in. And I got bombed off straight away. We weren't even out of the chamber the first team that day. So I was a good couple of months 
just getting changed in a port of cabin like me, uh, David Myler, uh, Vito Manone, Chris Gunter, like experienced boys, like we were just bombed, had to train with the kids. Um, well, after so, you'd only been there for what two months? Uh, I'd only been there a couple of months, and, but as soon as the Portuguese guy come in, he was like, Right, I didn't want you, he was like, You just need to go. So, completely bombed us. Um, and then it was such a hard couple of months, mate. Like, in a wee port, like, we weren't allowed to eat with the first team, like, nothing like that. It was so by the time January had come, I was like, I need to, I just want to get like back home, like, just enjoy football again. So, it was in a bit of a shit place. Like, you know what it's like sometimes when you're not playing in that, eh? It's like, thank you. me for fucking years, mate. <laughs> it's, it's hard going, like, when you're not playing, like, you're just training every day with the youth team, no playing any games, and just it's a slog, eh? So, when that Tell came up, easier, Tell you what makes it easier. 29th and the one, 20 the money goes in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's what most people would say, mate, eh? but it's not always the case. Like, uh, But nah, when Hibs came up, mate, it was good. Good to come back home, like, good club. Okay, see, when you were at Hearts, did you like, did you have like, a mentality that you genuinely like, hated Hibs? The club, you, you could sense the club hated Hibs. Um, we as players, you can It's hard to hate another team when you don't support the rivals. Do you know when you don't support? That's no part of your growing up. So <laughs> me getting into Hearts, I couldn't hate Hibs straight away. But the more I got involved with Hearts and winning games and stuff, and then the more you get to talk to to fans, and then you get to to play the game against Hibs, you're like, I fucking hate these. I've always hated these. <laughs> um, you, you just you buy into it. You know what I mean? Like Sparky probably is not really get a give or take with Hearts or Hibs, but the fact is he's playing for Hibs, he'll hate Hearts, and I'm vice versa. I absolutely hate Hibs. Um, I think you're talking <laughs> Sparky to be fair, but um, <laughs> you know, I absolutely dislike anything to do with Hibs. I wish him all the very best in the future, but anytime Hearts you got to play Hibs, I'm all for. for what, was Jeff, what was Jeffrey's like before a Hibs game, kid? Um, Jim, Jim and Billy, because they are proper. Um, I'm not too sure about Billy. There's a rumour going around that Billy was a Hibs man, but um, Jim's obviously a Hearts man through and through. Uh, grew up supporting them, played played with them, managed them. And Jim used to say, I tell you, if he goes out of that quiet voice, I tell you what, son, see if you can fucking date against the fucking Hibbies, you'll be remembered up here forever. And uh-huh. it's true, because like, I only played Hibs twice. I only played, what, uh, 20 games for Hearts? And fucking up, every time I go to Edinburgh, everybody, oh, that's Big Kev, Big Kev, because of the Hearts fans. And and, it, and it's true, like, if you if you become a hero, a derby hero, then it's with you for the rest of your days, Si. It's such a big derby that, like, Sparky will tell you, I don't know what his record is against Hearts, but obviously I know they got pumped the last time. Um, we'll come to that in a bit. We'll come to that in a bit, but just for <laughs> Well, give him some, give him a bit back, Sparky. Nah, Kev's spot on what he says. Like the, the more you, the more you're involved with the club, and like you say, um, you, you do, you feel that hatred for the for the, the opposite team because you just you're, you're buying into everything that goes with the club. Um, and if, like you say, the, the fans and that you speak to, you do buy into that, and the more you play them and stuff like that, it's, it's brilliant. What a game it is to play, and like it's definitely. Sparky. You know, see, see when see when you play Hearts, right? And like, there, there's some Edinburgh-based Hearts-supporting players. Uh, you know, like when I played against Hibs, Ian Murray was grew up supporting Hibs. That was his club. Uh, Derek Ryerson was the same. So when we played against Hibs, I always fucking love to see the look in their two's faces when we beat them. 
And I used to love that. Do you get that when you see maybe the likes of Cochrane or whatever Hearts players they've got now that are from Edinburgh supporting? Do you think it hurts more to them too than it does to maybe the foreign players or the ones that have the... Aye, 100%. 100%, mate. I think, like you say, it depends how long you've been at a club. Like, say, if a, if a foreign boy has been there for years and experienced it for years, they buy into it as well. They'll feel the same as a local lads, but when you get foreign boys that just come across and they don't know too much about it, it's, just, it's probably just another game, eh? Uh, it's, it's, it definitely isn't the same as, as being a local boy and, and knowing, seeing seeing people around the area. Like you say, if you, you get beat with hearts, you, you're walking down the street, you're getting penalties the next game day, eh? Uh, it's one of them, and I don't think the foreign boys really realise that. Sparky, what was, uh, what was Lenny like before a Hibs Hearts game? You know what, mate? I, so, a lot of people... So um, when I was at Reading um, and I, I got told to leave, uh, Lenny obviously he rang me when I was at Hibs and was um, um, like had a good chat, just chatting away and that. And he was like, "Look, come here, play games and that, enjoy football." Uh, so it, it was brilliant speaking. Being a Celtic fan and that, yeah, I was like buzzing, thinking, "Great, like let's go." I heard loads of stories about him and that. Like I was like, "I want to work like under him, see what he's like." Um, and literally, mate, it must have been the day or two after. He, he got the, if he walked or whatever had happened. Right? Aye. So I was like, how's my luck? Aye, how's it? Nightmare. But uh, the recruitment team uh, at Hibs, Claire Matthew, he was like, phoned me straight away. He was like, look, we still want you to come. And it was getting late in the window. I was like, I'd made my mind up that I wanted to go up the road, eh? So I was like, look, let's just get it done. And I signed pretty much with it. Eddie, Eddie May was in charge with Grant Murray at the time. Um, but I was gutted I never got to work under him to be fair everyone that I've interviewed that said that when Lenny phones them to sign it's like after you come off the phone they're like he's the no. only guy I want to play for ah he is mate he was just uh, you know you know what it's like yeah, some managers obviously give you the spiel eh? like the, the the usual shite that sort of comes with the speak and tell you everything you want to hear eh? but he, he, he was just more relaxed eh? like this just chatting away like um, and was just it wasn't overly trying to sell anything. Yeah, he was just saying, "Look, it's calm. You're going to play. Like, go and enjoy it. Like, and then see where see where you're at come the end of the season." So he was really good, mate. So you on the dab? He's in. Who's who's vocal on the dressing room? Blue Stevenson, Paul Hanlon. Aye, oh, all the local boys that have been there for years, mate. Eh? Big Daz McGregor. Um, he's a hard boy, isn't he, Daz McGregor? Oh, I wouldn't like to bump into him. I don't like it. He's a big, strong boy. Like, really good player, mate. He's he's, he's not played much this season, but he's. He's a good professional, like he's, I think his knees getting bothered sometimes, but he trains every day. Um, he's always in the gym and that, he looks after his cell well, and big Hibs fan, local boy, eh? so it means a lot to them as well. Okay, if you want to be players-wise, the Hearts-Hibs games, who would, who would be vocal in your dressing room? I, I would always be vocal, um, just because I, I didn't know when to show up, to be honest, side. but me and Brack, he was very vocal for the size zone, but that's because he's a fucking a Hearts fan, but the, the, all the players say, by the time I was with Hearts, the most vocal person was Lockie. Mm. And he wasn't even playing. Like, <laughs> Lockie was running about like a fucking nervous wreck. Come on, you need to make sure, Kevin, these boys are fucking up for this today. All my fucking mates are up and all that. We've got to beat this fucking <laughs> Lockie. Lockie was running about the And uh, I honestly, like, I don't know what you sparky, you'll get that feeling inside. You'll get it yourself when you play against certain teams. You know if you're going to beat them that day or not. You've got you've got that wee feeling inside you. When I played Hibs, 
twice. I knew that comfortably we were going to we were going to beat them comfortably on both occasions. It was only two 0 and one 0 but um, they they were two of the the best games I've ever played in in terms of atmosphere, hatred, proper fucking old school football match where everything tactics wise is out the window. It's just a case of go out there and get three points and be the be the winners on the day. Sparky, were you there when it kicked off, Lenny? No. So well, I uh, just kicked off, uh, and it, like probably the next the day after, I spoke to you on the phone, and then it, it literally walked or whatever had went on. So I didn't know what had happened there, and still nothing, nothing has happened. So God knows. No, you're not really allowed to say it, huh? See, see, when he spoke to you, though, did you did you think he was like still buzzing for the job in that? Aye, hundred percent, mate. Like he was, he was. Like really wanted me to come up the road there. Eh? Like I never had any doubts in my mind that he was gonna that anything was gonna change on, on sort of his his side. So when I seen it I was like that's mental because literally the night before I was had a, a long conversation I'm on the phone about getting up and getting playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Heckenbottom came in. We Slaney gave him a hard time, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the mouse. He's <laughs> He was good, mate. I liked him, you know. He had a tough time this season, like, but um, he was good when he came in last year. I, I really liked him. He, he was sort of similar to Jack Cross. Um, he wanted to play a bit, but no overly play. Um, a bit of, gave the players a bit of freedom and letting them decide, go and sort of, go and use the side. Uh, his training that was really good. I thought you, it was one of them that came in after a session, you'd come away and you'd always have something new in your mind, like, you don't learn something new. That's what I liked about him. Um, so obviously, no, no being here at the start of the season, I didn't know what quite how it went wrong this year. This year, uh, eight goals second half of the season. Uh, I done well, mate. I, I did. Um, it was it's good. There's a striker. You just want to you want to just get a, a goal as early as you can, eh? and I think I did. And um, you just it just felt good. You know, when you go to a club and you just it just feels right. Like everything about it just felt right and. Um, Ah, it was a good spell. I managed to get a um, call up to the national team as well, eh? which was which was a proud moment. Eh? So um, I'm glad I sort of made the decision of coming back up. Sparky, see, did you think that having left Scottish football to go down to England and then obviously come back again, did you think that your time in England helped you when you came back to Scotland to play with him? You had more confidence because you knew you were what you were expecting kind of thing? Because I always <laughs> think when, when I played with Scotland, I never played in Scottish football at all until... I moved up in 2009 and I always felt having played with the Scotland or 21 boys I thought that I felt it was a wee bit easier for some reason I always think in England you play against these big 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 and a half centre midfield or something they're all massive and in Scottish football we don't have that so when you come back up you always think you've got a you've got an advantage for some reason Do you? did you feel the same? No I definitely agree and like the, the physical side of it I mean uh, I'm not the most physical player so but you can definitely tell a difference between playing in England, even League One, League Two. That, that, like you say, everybody's six foot five, six foot six, are massive, big, aggressive boys. Like, um, but I wouldn't say that the standard has in the quality. Like, I think it, it's annoying as well. It's frustrating that a lot of people in England just write off Scottish players. Like, they'd be very surprised. Like, if 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 they just took the gamble on a lot of Scottish players, there's, there's a lot more players with more technical ability than sort of English people would uh, give credit for I think that's that is a frustrating thing um, but it's just they're all just bit, like really big and physical doing South 
Just to put Selene's mind at ease, did you ever see him eating cheese? <laughs> the mouth's not, nah, never met no cheese. Did any of the boys hear that, what Selene was saying? No, nah, no, nah, nobody really brought up on that, no. Nah. Oh, what the asshole. Um, so, then you went back again? Went back again, mate, I so, um, I went to, obviously went back to Red and, well, well, no, I went back, well, I went right back to Red for pre-season, but they said I could go out, then I went to Sunderland, just there, with Jack Ross, and uh, July, I think I maybe I went, August, um, Jack signed me, I, um, and then the new manager come in, and I wasn't playing at all, like, he was playing one up front, he was quite direct in that Parkinson, so mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't... Well, he blutters it, mate. He, his Bradford team blutered it. Right. So I knew straight away as soon as he come in, but he was brilliant. He was, honestly, I mean, we uh, Parky's assistant, great laugh, like, you were, were sounding enough to me. I was, I was in every week his office saying, like, come on, like, play me, play me, play me, play me. They were getting beat, they were drawing. Uh, I just couldn't get in the team, mate. But he, he was like, no, I didn't want you to leave one of them and I was like look I need to it was a hard decision because you didn't you didn't get the chance to play for such a big club eh? like mm. uh, that often and for me a few months in be like oh I need to go it was hard like and it was gutting to leave because I wanted to do really well there but uh, Hibs came up again mate I had an opportunity to go and play every week and that's what I really want to do eh? so Kev what are you putting at the cabinet you got a Chinese coming at half three was a wee delivery driver there side but lucky for me it wasn't for me <laughs> right, how good son have you had, have the fans sung Sunshine on Leaf uh, no this season yet mate no I was hoping God I was hoping I'd get that at the, the semi-final at Hearts eh? but obviously we walked on there's a proclaimer there young man look fucking <laughs> <laughs> hey, you looking at me like where's Wally where's Wally I mean Slaney had that planned he was going to wear glasses as well and we were going to sing Sunshine on Leaf oh yeah killed it man I know, and then they were going to say that you looked like Rick Waller and Paul Potts. Paul Potts. That's you. So what's happening with you now then? What, when are we going to see you next year, young man? Oh, mate, well, I've still got another two years at Reading, so I need to speak to the manager to see if, <laughs> if he wants me back. Is it still the Portuguese boy? No, no, it's a different, it's a different one now. And so, it's even a protein, now. No, nah, I've not spoke to anyone. Uh, there's a loans manager who asks how you're getting on and that, but I need to have a conversation with the manager. A loans manager? What a job, man. Get me that job now. He just texts him. He sometimes maybe pops to a game or whatever and just make sure all the loans players are getting on all right. That boy's fucked in at a loans manager. Yeah, manager. That was like, if you're a young kid, get it in loan, that's to go and get experience. But when you've got experience, you get something when that's like, we don't want you to get to uh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, so, when you're on loan, you get, see, you get put on loan, go and deal with it, man. That, that's <laughs> what I mean, eh? Like, but I suppose it's, like you say, it's different in a way. There's a job for everyone, yeah? Scary, man. Uh, would you would you come back to Scotland or are you looking to stay in England? Uh, I'd come back to Scotland, mate. I love it here. Um, love playing for Hibs, but I, I definitely do want to go and play in England again. Um, I want to uh, obviously it depends what kind of offers you get it's, it's going to be hard because we're playing a lot this season eh? don't know what kind of offers you'll get but um, I just need to play under a manager who will see me playing every week mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, see just on the Scotland call I want to ask both of you is, 
Where were you when you first heard you'd been called up? Try. I was uh, back in Stranraer because it was the season. Season was finished. I went out on a Friday night and got absolutely <laughs> steaming. And I woke up on the Saturday morning in my mum's house, and my phone was ringing. I was like, "Who the fuck's ringing me at this time?" Put the phone up, and it was Richard Simpson. So I kind of like got my shit together. Is he the loans manager? <laughs> Richard Simpson, who's that? <laughs> no, so he answered the phone. He says, "Kevin, just to let you know that you've been called up for the squad to go to um, the far east." And I was like, "Ah, fucking get in!" So I just bowled in the stairs and said, "My mum and dad were there." And I'm like, "Just been picked for Scotland." Mum and dad were like, "Oh, that's great!" And I don't think you ever forget that moment, side because that phone call, although it came from Richard and it wasn't the, um, from Bertie or the, the, the main men, it was a great feeling to be to know that you've been picked for your country. You know what I mean? It was. A dream come true, as they say. What were you sparking? We bet he was on the phone and Faddy, weren't he? <laughs> we <laughs> bet he was on the phone Faddy. Uh-huh. I love Faddy, Si. He was, he was the love child. Faddy was... Faddy, Bertie wanted to be Faddy's dad. <laughs> what were you sparking? <laughs> uh, I, I found it through one of the young boys at Hibs, mate. We were at... Uh, I can always remember my brother. I'd, I'd been there, alright. I'd scored a few. My brother was saying to me... As I was going into training, all oh, the Scotland squads out today, you, you know, in it or no? And I was like, nah, I've no made it. Obviously, you get maybe get the heads up with an agent or someone will kind of like tell the club or whatever before. Uh, we went out to train and then finished training. As I was walking back in, one of the young boys was uh, outside, he was like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, oh, what for? He was like, oh, you're in the squad, it's fucking Sun Sky News. So that's how I found out, mate. Walked in, it was on the telly, then went and got my phone and there was had loads of texts in that, eh? So like Kev said, it was brilliant. Eh? It's one of the moments you never forget. Like. Did you, uh, Sorry, Kevin, you go. Did you get the contract took to see if you had a, an international <laughs> bonus? <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> I remember. I think I was more excited about getting my bonus for. <laughs> I was going, it was the same when the Scotland on 21s. See, when I got called up for Scotland on 21s, I was Kenny Miller, Mark Burtzell, both of them were playing for like Celtic and Rangers at the time, or Hibs. Kenny was playing with Hibs. And there was a couple of other decent strikers, and I was thinking, I've been called up here. Like, I just went five minutes so I can get my bonus, because it was like uh, 10 grand. Kev, come on, tell us. What was, the, what was the bonus for the Scotland call? Come on, tell us. It was 50. 50 grand? 50 grand to play for the national team, aye. No that was from Scotland. The Sunderland? That was a Sunderland. I was in my Sunderland contract before. I was like, fucking hell, man, I just need two minutes, one minute, just be I even thought I'd be saying to Bertie, look, Gaffer, I'll give you ten. And we'll just... <laughs> 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 Fifty bags, man. Eh? Fifty bags? Aye, honestly, aye. That was, obviously, I'm getting taxed at 40%, so you only see 30, but... Um... Aye, look at, look at Sparky's face shining in case I ask him. <laughs> I was just about to say, Kev, who is your fucking agent, mate? I need to get that one. <laughs> no, I, I, that was the, I negotiated that contract myself, but I think Sunderland had put that into all the, the young players' contracts. That was standard. If you made it internationally, this is this is this was the reward. Because you've got to think about it, Si. If you've got a, an under twenty one player or a or a first team international in your it's good for the club to have because then you become an international player. So that's yeah. more value to you as a player for the club. Yeah, what did you, what, did you buy anything special off uh, the money you got? Nah, I mean, I just, uh, I remember it all came as, because I was only on, 
I think I was on about six hundred quid a week at the time, which is still a lot of money, like in in, in terms of finance. And um, I just remember that summer, like I had the best five days in my life you've ever seen. <laughs> amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. <laughs> see, when you first go up to Scotland, squad Sparky, are you there? Uh, yeah, I was a wee bit nervous because I, I, you know, it's like me. I hadn't really trained with a lot of the boys before. Um, a lot of them play at a good level, really good level. Eh? It's it's one of them. You're just you always want to see where you're at eh? in terms of like, are you miles miles off it here? Are you actually are you actually no bad? And what are you? Were you miles off it? I wasn't that far off it. No. <laughs> uh, nah, it was, do you know what, mate? We didn't actually even train that much. When we did train, it was it was it was hard anything, eh? So it was one of them. It was sound. Sparky, you don't feel that. You don't feel that, like, you're saying it from one side of the fence. See, from the other side of the fence, does it not sometimes make you think, fucking hell, they're not as good as they think they are, but they're at good clubs. Did you never think that? I, I, I definitely do think that. Like, I, you obviously think, like, like maybe I was playing in, say, League Two or something, and, like, you've got someone at Man United, you think, he's going to think I'm absolutely shite here. I know, <laughs> but, but then, then you watch them and you think, fucking hell, he's great. No, I do know what you mean. Like you think, like in training, yeah, that, you see, like, you kind of see the gap being that big. But I think right. it's just, I think it's just when it comes to a match, mate. I think it's completely different. You get, you've seen it before. Players who are good in training, and then you get players who can do it at the top level. We can be good, eh? and I think that's right. different. Who impressed you the most, Sparky? Uh, big Scott McTominay. No, fuck off. I swear, mate. Size, mate. Size. Was he good at him? I'll leave it with me. I, I'm, I, I'll admit I'm wrong then. Is he, is he a player or how? Yeah, really good, mate. Big, big boy. Really good speech. Like, he, can, he can move in that. I think he's got a bit of everything, mate. I think he's really good. Him and, him and Kenny McLean, I thought, and when we were training, I know I say we've never done a lot, but him and Kenny McLean were, were really good. Like. There you go. It shows you what I know, mate. I, I've always liked Kenny McLean. Though. I was at Dundee's at St. Martin. I thought he was really good, Kenny McLean. He is, mate. Very, very good player. Like, yeah. he was, uh, Sorry, mate. He was top, like, really good in training. Who was the top men about the squad? Who was, like, the boys everyone kind of, like, talked to? Um, do you know what? There wasn't that many, like, older, older boys, eh, that it was, like, anywhere when I went. It was really, like, the older ones would be, like, Charlie Mulgrew, uh, Johnny Russell. Right. And then you've got, like, Kenny and Ollie, who are just mental, who are just, you can always hear them. Exactly. So, Kenny McLean and Ollie McBurney. They're just mental. Them, them two and Johnny Russell together. Just... <laughs> Wait, what was McVernon's off? He's not, we had him on here. He's off, he's not, man. Wait, he's a funny, funny boy. Like, he's just, just, I seen, I seen him tweet something the other week there about, uh, they were talking about that uh, Tiger King and how it was five grand a tiger. I'm sure he tweeted something like, that's mental, because I got quoted 13 grand or something for a tiger. Which was, actually, was honestly true, but when we were in the Scotland squad, that was one of the first conversations we had down the street, was facing tigers. <laughs> like you could actually imagine him being a tiger at his back, couldn't you? 100%. 100%. What about you? See, when you first went, Kev, who, who, were, you, who were you most nervous about like training and, and being around? I think yeah. uh, when I first get called upside to like the proper games, like, like I've said it before, I see Barry Ferguson, Paul Lambert. I remember we were playing. Uh, who were we playing? It might have been Denmark at Hamden, and we trained at Hamden the day before. And we're doing like a wee five aside, and I was in the same team as Barry Ferguson and Paul Lambert. And you're sitting there thinking, "Fucking hell! If I don't control this ball, if I don't make the runs for these guys, what are they going to think of me?" But 
Uh, they, made it, they made it quite relaxable. So it wasn't too bad. But Barry Ferguson and, and Paul Lambert were the two big names for me. We had guys at Christian Daly. Um, I think I just... Don Hodgson, I maybe played one game with him. He was quite a big character, but I knew him from my time at Sunderland. But yeah. Davy Weir, Davy Weir, Scott Gamble. Oh, I wanted yeah. to ask why Scott Gamble. I just wanted to ask him about his dad, Archie. He's got Artie, all he does is play with his boys. He's my manager under 19, so he's hands doing his shots half the time. Right. <laughs> Even silent, like the manager, Vokes, he's a World Cup winner. So, but no, there, there was a few. Then the likes of, um, who else did we have? Dan Fletcher not in there as well, Faddy. Faddy was there, but Faddy was only like, when Faddy joined up with us at the squads, Faddy was only like the young, the young kid at Motherwell just coming through. He wasn't like a finished article he had the the stupid wee ponytail at the back and the red stripe in the hair and Faddy right. uh, was just the, the kind of boy band of Scottish football but um, you could see straight away that Faddy was going to be some player Darren Fletcher was was I would say probably similar to the McTominay like he would do things basic in the training but when you played in a match you were like fucking hell he he could grab the game by a scruff of the neck and mm-hmm. if he'd get players to do things that maybe you think they couldn't do so he was good captain material and good experience, but he would learn that from the best in at my ride. Yeah. Uh, right, mate, we need to ask you, you came on that infamous night in Kazakhstan. <laughs> mate, what were you thinking when you were watching that by the bench? Uh, just like you, mate, I'm just like a fan as well. Like, I, I obviously wanted us to win then. It's, you know, you're 3-0 doing it then. You're thinking to yourself on the bench, like, I'm dying to get on I just want my, my debut but fuck me if you know what can I really do eh? mm-hmm. uh, and then when the gaffer was like right come on you've gone on <laughs> he was like just enjoy yourself just enjoy yourself and I was like uh, cheers so it was one of them mate you're buzzing to get on and make your debut eh? um, but you know probably couldn't get a worse situation to go on how bad's uh, how bad's like the reaction being back home? Like, would are you seeing it on your phones? Like everyone caring you, isn't that? Huh? Oh, I, mate, you know what it's like. Even your group chats with your different mates and everything like that. Like, they're all fans in that. Eh? Yeah, they're, they're absolutely hammering these. Like, it's just part and parcel of football. Eh? The football fans as well. Like, got an opinion. Uh, like you say, reading loads of things on if you're on social media and that. Eh? But you just, as players, you can't you can't read too much into shit like that, mate. Yeah. Did, did the players did they, did they read, did they read it all? Uh, I mean, imagine most players do like I always like have a look through social media and that eh? like uh, or maybe read the odd newspaper and that like but I did it because I know that I could if every paper was telling me that I was shite like it wouldn't it wouldn't affect me eh? like no. it's obviously no nice to read like nobody likes reading bad things about them but I, I think that I'm, I'm strong enough mentally to, to not be asked about them eh? so I'm just speaking for myself. Like I don't know if every every player would be like. Okay, but imagine Twitter was about after that Faroe Islands game, man. Oh my God, man! That's probably my only saving grace, side because the Sun, the Sun newspaper gave me a hard time. The record gave me a hard time. Every fucking paper in the country gave me a hard time. <laughs> uh, so I think back in the day, maybe Bebo, a couple of Bebo posts, but that was about it. Bebo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, to be fair, Si, I, I just, I, I tried not to read the papers, but see, like, a month later when you think you can come out from under the covers, and they're still talking about you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> four weeks since the game passed. <laughs> oh, no, you no, the no. rain you got in the paper, Ken? 
Uh, it was probably maybe a three. A three? A three. I went from the week, a week before I played against Denmark and got a seven and I was called a Colossus. And then the week later I was got a three and I was called a Shambolic Colossus. <laughs> Somebody says you, you got a zero in the paper and you thought it looked like a donut, so you ate the paper. <laughs> <You're a twat. laughs> right, what about the days between, like, see what Kev just said there? Denmark, brilliant, and then the few days between Fair Island. So what were the few days like between Kazakhstan and San Marino? Was it was it lower than Wilshire? Aye, uh, it was pretty low, like, to be fair, mate. You could tell, can, you know, sometimes, like, when you're clubbing that, if he's got, like, a tank in, like, sometimes it's just it's just back to normal, eh? But that was low, like, that was really low. The staff were low, like, all the boys were low. Um, but the, the one sort of saving, luckily, but it was San Marino, like, we had the next game. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been someone else. Like, and the boys would have been fucking shitting themselves. But mm-hmm. it was lucky it was Sam Marino, and luckily we managed to beat them just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your, what's your, like, have you got a best memory in this playing for Scotland? I probably, um, probably playing at Hamden. Like, the debut and everything was against South Korea. Was that year that South Korea done well in the World Cup 2002? Yeah. Um, I remember coming on and it was kind of a blab because we got beat, I think, 3-0 or 3-1. But playing at Hamden, standing there in front of a packed house against Denmark and in that row of 11 players singing the national anthem, that, for me, is the the memory of Scottish playing for Scotland. That, for me, was the best moment feeling part of like, the country and, and everyone else. It was very kind of patriotic. But that, that for me, would be the best memory because you're one of 11 people in front of 5 million population uh, representing your country. So it's a, a, an unbelievably proud moment. You're the same, Spanky. How would that just be getting on and playing for Scotland? Uh, that'd be your highlight. Aye. Uh, mate, do you know what? The highlight for me would probably just be the day I found out, eh? Like being able to tell your family and that. I think that... Obviously, playing against Kazakhstan was a bit of a, a, bit of a nightmare getting beat 3-0. And the San Marino game was a bit toxic, to be fair. Eh? See the fans that were there? It was just... I know we were shite. Like, I missed a sitter in that. Like, could, have, could have scored, but... It wasn't It wasn't enjoyable, if you know, see when you win a game. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable because the fans were... They were on the, the players' back to, like, the get-go. Like, so it wasn't one of them that I'd come away thinking, oh, I was absolutely buzzing to, to play in that. Uh, so, for me, it would definitely be like, the moment I found out. Mind is a map. This is mind is a pure lesser scale. We we got to the the final of the Euros under nineteen. Aye, aye. Aye. Spain beat us in the final two one. So we all think we're like Billy Big Bollocks man buzzing. Get back to Glasgow. Gordon Strachan phones us and says he's playing in uh, Kenny Arthur's testimonial tomorrow. He was a part of Kitsel goalie. No way. <laughs> fucking hell. So we get clapped on the pitch like both teams clapped the five Celtic boys that played in doing it on the pitch. Mate, what? Bring us back down to earth straight away. Chick Chanley, who was retired, <laughs> not made the three times in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Were you steaming? No, I was a fuck me. I, I got steaming after this, so big chick. Every time you got the boy, just trying to nutmeg his man. He's like, you're shy. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, that's us. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yes, Sparky, no, you're, you're the first hippie I can say that's actually all right. So it's nice to meet you, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the season gets underway at some point and you can continue on and your career will pan out the way it hopes. You hope, you hope it does, mate. Nice talking to you. Stop, man. Cheers, Kev. See you, lads. Bye, lads.
know that feeling you get when you sense a team's winning streak is about to end? Or when you know the pundits are getting it all wrong? That feeling? That's me. I'm your hunch. I was there back in Istanbul when you just knew the comeback was on. I'm the guy that tells you when the odds don't look so odd. I'm your hunch. It's time to start listening. Heed your hunch with Betway. Download the app to find out more about Betway's Bet Club. Full terms apply. 18 plus, dunlouis.net. Bet the responsible way. Hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? A scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack. The perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today.